Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, everybody. I'm Joey Brenneman from Offscript Health. Welcome to the Tangential Conversation Companion to Offscript Health's Before We Die podcast. We fondly named this bonus episode Lab Before Slab, and these are the sometimes random, often fascinating, and always a little bit quirky conversations that happen around our production table. We wanted to share them with you, but we couldn't quite fit them into our regular episodes, so we had a feeling that there are listeners out there who would enjoy them, so we made these little mini episodes. So here are the Before We Die creators, Sandra Miller, John McMahon, and Craig Allman to geek out about the latest happenings in the medtech arena. Okay, John, you are kicking us off today. What is happening out there? Great. Thank you, Joey. So uh, this follows up on a number of threads, one in particular from our conversation with Dr. Yak on health equity. And so health equity from a devices side and pharma side is sort of, you know, who's in your trial and who does that represent? And uh, not only so that you're getting a device that's appropriate. For example, uh, dentistry may not be uh, that sensitive to population studies. But if you start doing uh, cardiovascular work, you realize that women's hearts are smaller And so they need devices that are actually smaller to get inside their arteries. So you have uh, equity there by sex. Now, as they're moving into CAR T-cell therapies, so these are pharmaceutical therapies, they're realizing that the trials themselves are actually uh, sort of uh, racially biased. And so from a JAMA network, uh, open network article. Okay, okay, jargon alert. (laughs) What's CAR-T and what's JAMA? CAR-T-B cells, as in CAR-T-B's cells. No, I'm kidding. Uh, JAMA is a Journal of American uh, Medical Association. So it's a journal published online. uh, This is from the online uh, group from a group at a University of Arkansas studying how many participants are in particular trials. So CAR T-cell is actually a chimeric antigen receptor, that's the CAR, which we can forget. And then T-cell is a type of immune cell that's inside your body. Yeah, I know the T-cell, it's the CAR that threw me off. So the chimeric antigen receptor part, and the T-cell is a white blood cell, and white blood cells are really important if you're fighting cancer. So what these new technologies are is they take out your T-cells, and uh, the car's reference is sort of a nice one. They put in a new engine, really pump up the horsepower, and then they reintroduce these T-cells into your body, and they go after the cancers. And they have some amazing results. You know, really late-stage patients signing up for these and getting completely cleared. The CAR T-cells can then, unfortunately, then continue to attack healthy cells. 
So you may have uh, you know a six month or two year remission. So there, there's a lot of work that's going on these. But the reason why this becomes important from a health equity standpoint is now you're talking to the immune system. So you're looking at how the, you know, right down to the RNA of a patient is the fundamental responder, right? So now you're in the genetics of a patient showing who's responding and not responding. And this discussion has come up before in pharma if the trials are generally white males that are near high academic centers that you're developing arguably racist drugs. And it's a, it's a interesting thought conversation, but this article that came out is particularly talking about the fundamentals in this one space. It's not just giving you a drug, but really accelerating your immune system to go after a cancer. So the question is, what exactly? Well, the, the recruiting opportunity then is to broaden your recruitment so it matches the patient population that you represent. We were, Craig, you and I were involved in a trial that got done down in LSU in COVID, which arguably has some disordinate social representations of who was getting sick. And one of the things we compared was to make sure that the patients we enrolled mapped to the demographics racial and social as best we could in age, of the county of the parish that we were in. That was something that we did. We wouldn't have been able to change it. We were fortunate that we got that alignment. But could you then proactively say that's a component in a trial? And that's really what that article is about, is saying, hey, how do we make sure that we have representative trials? And this idea of democratizing a trial also democratizes your access to new therapies. You know, there are some companies that are going after it for devices like the Hawthorne effect, where they're taking trials outside of the, the demographic and geographic areas of UCSF and Harvard, you know, these sort of coastal uh, centers or the Mayo Clinic, and really distributing who can get treated. That's a really interesting health equity opportunity and I think it's important, a really great follow-up from, from the conversation on that topic. It's a really difficult problem on a, on a bunch of levels because you've got uh, a traditional and well-earned suspicion on the part of a lot of Black people towards the medical community for all sorts of really good reasons, because the medical community has often taken advantage of Black people, experimented on Black people historically, and uh, not responded to their needs. So for years and years, uh, a lot of white doctors have assumed that black people were less able to feel pain. And so they'd give them uh, lower amounts of painkillers when that was just a myth. You know, racism pervades the whole culture, and that's an ugly truth that we have to deal with in all sorts of respects. But this isn't denying people that don't want to be in a study. The only way you move this into the consciousness is we talk about it, which is what we're trying to do here at Lab Before a Slab, right? Like, how can we impact this? This article is saying it exists, and then how do you intervene? Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Well, I, I think it's um, one of the things that, you know, the FDA and the agency that uh, regulates medical devices under FDA, which is called the Center for Devices and Radiological Health, there's just this fundamental challenge of, you know, you need to have a quality, you know, study and it ha- the design has to be, you know, appropriate, but then it's never going to be perfect. So what's good enough? How do you set up the requirements for the enrollment and the diversity, the population or, or uh, demographic diversity that's relevant for a particular clinical trial in such a way that you're sort of striking that balance between doing good enough for the betterment of more people versus perfect? There's an inherent tension here because... I think the regulatory agencies are trying to do better and sh- and shine more light uh, on this issue. They're trying to, for example, engage patients and the patient perspective in, you know, the process that it takes to get whether it's a drug or device approved. But you know, these things take time to to get put in place, and you know, I, th- I think it's a it's a really tough issue. It's a big weakness. Uh, as part of our system right now. And it, and I think there are a lot of people who are trying to make it better. And it's something we can, you know, maybe shine a light on a little bit more and, and we can all get smarter about it maybe in future episodes of Before We Die. It's also very hard on the side of the innovators. It's also frequently very hard to get patients who are willing to participate in the trial. So you're kind of happy whoever comes through the door. Yeah, that's the point. That's, you know, that's why it's hard to get to perfect is that it, you know, tri- enrollment, patient enrollment in the trials is not easy. Well, I think in in on the cardiovascular side, the past 10 years, they've certainly made a really strong impact to add women to trials because they're uh, the cardiovascular trials, because the women's outcomes were uh, substandard that were in these trials. And actually a fair amount of it has been linked now to actually the size of the arteries, not to the sex, right? But you have to do that study to find out. And this article, right, isn't taking us through all the mechanisms and enrolling troubles is certainly something that, I, uh, that I've that i suffered through in my career and challenges. But, you know, they're talking about the CAR T-cell summary saying that black patients are two to 5% of the total patients enrolled. And they're just bringing up to say, hey, are, are, is there a conversation we can have is there a resource that's constraining it? Is it enrollment? It's always a linear combination of all those things. But until you have the conversation, you don't know where to look. And so I commend them for bringing it up. And uh, it certainly helps uh, uh, as we move closer and closer to working off genetic signatures and looking at genetic profiles in patients. That's actually more sensitive to me than than dental work or even the cardiovascular aspects, uh, it's a really key point for, for those diseases. 
Yeah, and I think it's important to have the conversations. And just because something's hard, if you know it's hard to enroll people, to not let that be the end of the conversation. And I think that goes across the board, not only in this category, but in a lot of other categories and and institutions to not stop there and to go, yeah, it's hard. This is now part of it is that we have to engage a diverse group of people. And, you know, there is the earned mistrust within the communities because of like the Henrietta Lacks um, cells and all that stuff. But so to really engage people with education and where things are moving and to make them want to be part of these trials. And that takes more effort, but it is definitely worth it, I think. So thus ends another um, a lab before a slab. And we are just so happy that you are here with us to think about these things. Join us next time because you never know where the lab before slab conversation is going to go. And for more in-depth conversations with our MedTech innovators, join us for our regular episodes of Before We Die on this very same feed. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. Lab Before Slab is an off-script health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producers are Joey Brenneman and Ariel Nachman. Lab Before Slab is mixed by Kyle Moore. Our Lab Before Slab panel of experts and creators of the show are Sandra Miller, John McMahon, and Craig Allman. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-283-4666. Share your healthcare stories and we might just play them on the air in a future episode. For more information, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no T, dot com. <laughs>